Yes, sir. Kyle and DJ on the mic. Gambling Feud. Partnered with Coda Sports Gambling Network. Hitting bets. Hitting bets. Hitting checks. Hitting checks. Making necks. Making necks. I bet. Let's hit some bets. Locks on, locks on, locks on, locks. Locks on, locks on, locks on, locks. I don't need the keys when I get the locks. Hitting them wagers, locking my pacer, doing it major. LA Lakers, locks on, locks on, locks on, locks. Locks on, locks on, locks on, locks. I don't need the keys when I get the locks. Hitting them wagers, locking my pacer, doing it major. LA Lakers. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Gambling Feud Podcast. It is great to be back. Thank you all for the kind words that you gave to me and DJ while we were gone. And we did take a week break for personal reasons, but we are back and ready to roll. As always, my name is Kyle Comas. You can find me on Twitter at Comdog. And joining me, as always, episode seven, my cousin at DJ Low 4422, DJ Luch. DJ, how are we doing today? I am glad to be back. I was excited. I was ready to roll. Had my beers going. It's been a long week and it's only Tuesday we're recording on. And I am just excited. I love doing this. I love talking sports. Let's let's get it going. Let's get this episode rolling. Yes, absolutely. We definitely did need to take that week off. We're not going to get too much into that. We're ready to be back and talk some sports. And DJ, March Madness has been madness, hasn't it? I I would have never been able to fill out a bracket anywhere close to accurate with how many upsets and how crazy it's been. I, I never saw this coming. I, I don't know what to say, honestly. It's, it's crazy how it, it's literally March Madness to a T. Uh, how, how have your brackets been doing? You know, actually not horrible. I have uh, in one of my brackets, I still have uh, three of my four final four teams still going. So that is a that is a plus. I have Gonzaga, Michigan, and Arkansas, and those three are still in it. But then I had um, Oklahoma State in the other corner, and they Oof. got knocked down by Oregon State. But man, shout out Cade Cunningham. That dude is just a monster. I think honestly, if Luca doesn't win Player of the Year, he's gonna. But if he doesn't win Player of the Year, he's Cade Cunningham's got to be a close second. Yeah, the dude is a first three pick for sure, and just super talented, tall, lengthy. Uh, the only like knock on him I've heard is his dribbling ability. He dribbles a little high, and he may not be a pure shooter from three-point. He's knocked down from two, but from three-point, he might not be as pure, uh, but I think he's going to be a great player. But you mentioned Luka Garza, and the Hawks and the Big Ten have just disappointed me, Kyle. I did not see this coming. What What are your thoughts, just quickly, on what happened to the Big Ten, why so many teams made it, yet they didn't do anything? Well, first of all, Oral Roberts beating Ohio State. What the heck? That was I, – I don't have words for that, considering I – me and probably most people who fill out a bracket had Ohio State going to like the Elite Eight, and Oral Roberts just swept them under the rug. Illinois, who can beat dang near any team in the country, loses to Loyola, Chicago. Iowa loses to Oregon. Oregon's a solid Pac-12 team, but still, Iowa losing to Oregon. And then Michigan is like the only Iowa, only like Big Ten team that is 
represented the Big Ten pretty decently. I mean, Rutgers uh, peed that game down the leg to Houston, and uh, Maryland hasn't been playing very well. I mean, I Big Ten was always having this talks like, oh, they're the best conference, and I agreed it for the longest time, but like this March, they're really disappointing me. Yeah, simple, simply put, I was wrong. I was high on the Big Ten, and I was wrong. Uh, I think when they're playing each other, it's very good matchups and they're good quality teams. But I think there's just a step of athleticism that's the difference. And the, you've seen it in the Pac-12. The Pac-12, everyone all year thought the Pac-12 was terrible. But, wow, they have some athletes and they are showing out. I mean, Oregon State wasn't even supposed to make the tournament. And they, they've, they're still playing. They made it two rounds. It just does ah, the Pac-12 is crazy athletic. And I think that, and I think Bama and the SEC, LSU almost beat Michigan. I mean, there's just a lot of teams who maybe didn't have as quality of a season, but their athletes are, have a higher ceiling or are just more athletic. Uh, maybe the Big Ten is more well-rounded, uh, but the big, or the, when March Madness comes around, it's all about athleticism and knocking down shots and other conferences have done that, the Pac-12 especially. Uh, but wow, yeah. Let's, if, yeah. If you would have told me like a couple months ago that in March Madness, USC would beat Kansas by 30, I would have told you you are absolutely nuts. Seriously. Who, like beating them? Okay. I see that. But beating them by just embarrassing them, wiping the floor with them. Yeah. Oh, it just, and Kansas was dealing with COVID issues and stuff like that. But still. I mean, I I was disrespecting so much. I was disrespecting the Pac-12, and they were just like, oh, DJ, we see you, and we got you. And I'll admit it, I was wrong. I tweeted it. I was wrong. I was wrong. I was wrong. There you go, people. I was wrong. That's that's probably exactly what happened. But how how is your bracket doing, DJ? I quit checking because it was so bad. I went heavy on the Big Ten. I just – I thought there was no way – the Big Ten's been constantly playing, you know, every game's been a tough game for a Big Ten team. I thought they have to do well. They have to show out. I had a couple of upsets. I knew Syracuse was winning. I knew Oregon State was winning. Other than that, oh, UCLA. I knew UCLA was winning. Other than those three, I did not see any of those other upsets coming. I, I mean, I guess some of them I could have been like, ah, you know, North Texas, I thought maybe. But then I was like, no, Purdue's bigger and they're more fundamental. But, yeah, no, my bracket's terrible. I quit checking, honestly. I just didn't look. I was like, nope, I'm done. I am moving on. I'm just going to forget it. I'm just going to bet. I'm just going to bet and make up for it. That's what I'm going to do. And how is your uh, how is your betting thus far gone? I went big on Oregon against Iowa, which has paid dividends. I went big on UCLA. Um, the first round was terrible. Uh, really bad, actually. But I boot, I rallied, and I went – you know, i just been betting the underdog. The underdogs – when you can find the right underdog, uh, there's less risk and they have almost the same odds to win. Obviously they don't because they're the underdog, uh, but in March Madness, anything's possible. But what about you? Have you been betting well? You know, I, I bet a few games on Sunday. I bet uh, Arkansas money line. Arkansas was the underdog against uh, Texas tech. And I won that. And then the Houston Rutgers game, there was an over under at one thirty one. And I thought that's crazy. Like they're going to be, that's going to be over for sure. That was under by probably eight or nine points. So that was pretty rough. And then I bet Oklahoma state money line against Oregon state. 
and that didn't pan out well for me. So I didn't do so hot on Sunday, but like I always say, it's not how you start, it's how you finish. So I know I'm going to run it back here soon, and hopefully it pans out for me. Preach. Now, I don't want to get off on a tangent here, but that Texas Tech-Arkansas game, Texas Tech's coach deserves to be fired. 16 seconds left in the game, doesn't call timeout. He's like, oh, the players can find a way to score. And they're down one. Texas Tech is down one. 16 seconds left. Doesn't call timeout. Let's fast forward 10 seconds. Nothing's happened. Texas Tech hasn't done anything with the ball. And they're still at half court just dribbling. They proceed to get a layup and botch it. And they lose the game. But here's here's what I'm thinking. If you're a coach, you call timeout right away. You say, all right, this is the play we're going to run. We're going to get a good look at the rim right away. Because guess what? If we don't score, you can foul. They can make both free throws. And you're only down three. So then you're like, all right. Worst case scenario, we don't score on this play. Here's what we do. We, we file. They're going to make both free throws. This is our play we're going to run to hit a three to tie it. You literally plan out everything, and then you let the players execute. But no, he didn't. He just let them. Like, if you don't have a timeout, I get it. But, oh, it just, I was so frustrated because I, I was all in on Texas Tech, not betting-wise, but just what I thought was going to happen. And I just – how do you like, Oh, it just makes me mad. Like, how are you that bad of a coach and making money? I mean, what did you think of that Kyle? You obviously watched the game. I mean, yeah, I watched the game and I was thinking the same thing too. You got to know your situation in some particular cases. Yeah. Let the players play it out. Let the players get, get their own basketball. When you are in March madness and it is do or die and you have a timeout, use the dang thing. Seriously. These are amateur athletes. They're amateurs. They're not professionals. Yeah. Yeah, no, if it's like a, an NBA finals game or whatever, and like it's game six and you need two, and like you got like some of your best players in the court, fine, don't use the timeout. But these are college athletes who need a little guidance when the moment is needed. Yeah, and the first 10 seconds was miserable. Nothing happened. The ball didn't even get to the three point line. It, mm-hmm. Oh, I couldn't believe it. And he still didn't use the timeout. Yeah. And oh, the thing is, like by not forcing up a shot right away, you didn't allow yourself to play the foul game. It's different if there's only six seconds, but there was 16 seconds. You can play the foul game. You can play a miss. Oh, just, I, I, I'm done, Kyle. Cut me off, but I'm so frustrated by how terrible someone who's getting paid millions of dollars to coach did. And I'm not even going to get to Fran McCaffrey. He is awful, but no, not going to go there. Yeah, we're, uh, unfortunately, DJ, we're going to have to talk about Mr. McCaffrey quite a bit longer as he signed a seven-year extension. He's going all the way till. 2028 so i guess i was going to be giving up 80 points a game for the next seven years why would you not wait till the end of the season to sign an extension you knew he was going to resign why kyle it doesn't make any sense it doesn't make any sense let's let's sign this guy to extension early during his peak because that's what he's going to produce no let's wait until he gets tested in march madness to see how good of a coach he actually is i don't i don't get it kyle it boggles me what 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 is going on in this iowa city what is going on Here's my mindset of this whole thing. So McCaffrey's been around for a, lo- a long time. This is probably the best Iowa team that's going to be around for quite some time. You got Luca Garza, who's probably going to win player of the year. You got Bohannon, who is the all-time leading assist person. One of the best three-point shooters that I can remember at Iowa. You got Joey's camp. You got uh, Frederick and you got uh, his son McCaffrey. Now don't, we'll go on a whole nother tan about that another time but this is the best Iowa team you got and you're giving up 75 points per game when the media asks you what are you gonna do to fix he goes well obviously we gotta change it no crap you gotta change it (laughs) breach 
Seriously, I, I said this year to a couple guys I work with that are Iowa fans, I said, this is the year to tell how good McCaffrey is as a coach. If he can do something with this team, he's a good coach. He's got all the, this is the best skill, like you said. And just the way their offense didn't run the way it should have. In my opinion, the offense should have ran through Garza every game. Every single time down, you should have used 20 seconds of the shot clock every single time. Your your best defense, because you know you're not defensively skilled because you're not athletic enough, should have been your offense. And you should have gotten the ball to Garza. And immediately, the other four guards on the floor should have been screening, should have been cutting. You should have had somebody cut to the rim. You should have had someone screen to open up a shooter. And guess what? When you're doing that, they can't double because they have to worry about what's going on elsewhere. Right. All of a sudden, you get a cut to the rim, easy dump. All of a sudden, you get a cut to the three, easy three. And it clears it out for Garza to work. It clears it out to get threes. It clears, I mean, their, their offense should have been a fine tuned machine by the time they got to March Madness, but it wasn't. And in the second you saw them, they tried to play Oregon's game. Don't play Oregon's game. You're Iowa. Play Iowa's game. When you play Oregon's game, guess what? How many fast break dunks and layups did they give up? Because they would shoot, miss, and it's going transition. I mean, oh. Oh. so so many. And then and and like you said too, if they do stuff like that, they can't uh instantly double team because I mean you got Weiss Camp to worry about, you got Bohan to worry about. You gotta respect those guys. They're gonna light light you up. But instead, like Garza gets the ball and those four are just are just statues. And it's just absolutely furious for me. I, I almost lost my voice yelling at the TV because, and I know they can't hear me, but I know they can because it was insane. He literally all year passing to Garza and everyone just sits and watches him like a deer in the headlights. It's like, oh, if I was the coach of that team, the offense would have been, and I'm not saying I know a lot about basketball, but I know enough to know how to use players. And with those three-point shooters, like a Murray, Murray is going to be a guy for me when the ball goes into Garza. He's going to screen for a Wieskamp or a Bohannon who can shoot or Frederick. They're going to pop and he's going to cut to the rim because he can dunk. He can finish at the rim. And that that screen is going to distract both of those guys. It's going to give Garza enough time if he can make a move to make it. And otherwise, it's going to get you a wide open three. and It's going to get you a cutter going to the lane. Like, it's so simple. How is a guy making that much money not able to do it? I don't get it. And he's and like. Making that much money is an understatement. Like, he's the second richest guy in the state of Iowa behind Kirk Ferentz. Yep, public paid, highest. Which is unreal. So, DJ and I can go on a rant about this for a long time, but let's – uh Let's rein it in. Let's move on to the next segment. Let's keep the show going because, I mean, we could just spend the entire time ragging on Iowa. I spent about half an hour at work today just going off on – all of this stuff I've just kind of quickly addressed. But, yes, Kyle, get, get us going. Get us going. Yes, let's move on to our random poll. And DJ and I are, are going to list two people each. We have a person that we're going to say is the most – is the number one, and then we're going to have an honorable mention. So those four will be in our poll. And then if you guys think that it's somebody else, absolutely reply in the tweets and who you think it is. But our random poll for today is who is the most annoying announcer or analyst in all of sports? And DJ, I'll let you start. All right. I like bat and lead off. Uh, so for me, this one's easy. Joe Buck. I just don't like him. He's not good. He does every single sport. We constantly have to listen to him. And he just says so much stupid stuff that's so obvious. Like, there's three outs in an inning. Oh, really, Joe? There's three outs? Oh, we play nine innings in baseball. Really, Joe? Like, And sometimes he does good stuff. Cool. But when you're going to do every single sport – and you just say so much stupid stuff. It just, it drives me insane. I know the city of Kansas City hates him because of the Royals World Series because he's just so bad. 
And then when I come to find out him and Aikman were getting drunk together, <laughs> I don't know if you saw that news clip at all, but yeah, that came out that him and Aikman were like taking shots or something before some games, which was just hilarious. It made me kind of like him a little more actually, but still I don't like Joe Buck in my honorable mention. And this one's kind of touchy subject because I'm not trying to be sexist because I think Doris Burke is a great, um, you know, I think she's great at the NBA and, so I'm not like I, if you're a woman and you're good at, you know, broadcasting, I'm not I'm not going to. But for me, Jess Mendoza, I they give her it's and it's honestly not her fault. It's the, the producer's fault or whoever's setting this all up because they give her the obvious lines. There'll be some dude like Steven Strasburg back when he threw 100 miles an hour or all this Chapman. And she'll say something like, yeah, this guy throws hard. Oh, really, Jess Mendoza? This guy throws hard, huh? You know, I didn't know that because he throws 100 miles an hour and everybody knows that. And, like, she'll just say, like, the stupidest – like, the dude wins a gold glove. Yeah, this guy's good at fielding. Like, she just says the most basic, the most obvious, the most stupid. Like, if you're an uneducated fan, you probably think she's great. But when you're somewhat educated like I am, it's just so aggravating that every line she has is so obvious and so basic. It's like, have a thought that, like, no one's ever thought about. Like, oh, I never thought of the game of baseball like that. So, for me, Joe Buck, so many things he's done, and honorable mention – Jess Mendoza, because she just only says the most basic, obvious stuff, and it just drives me insane. So that's me, Kyle. What do you got? You know, DJ, you nailed two announcers that I think a lot of people would agree with, and you and you said it really well when you said that, like, we're not knocking on female announcers. I really like Doris Burke. Like, she calls uh, NBA games. Every now and then she'll call a college football game. She's called a few Iowa games that I can remember, and she does a really, really good job. So we're by no means knocking her. But yeah, I agree with you with Mendoza and Joe Buck 100%. I think those are two great choices for me. Okay, most people are going to be like, you got to go Stephen A. Smith. You got to go Skip Bayless. Like those two, in my opinion, they say stupid stuff to get views. And you know that's the case. In my opinion, I'm going with the guy who thinks he's smart, but gives horrible takes all the time and like everybody who's been on first take with this guy has disliked it and that is ryan hollins now ryan <laughs> hollins former nba player he wasn't very good in the nba so i guess he tried to go to announcing i wish he would have stayed in the nba and stayed away from announcing but just he is the king of bad takes and here's just a few takes he's had dj that uh have gotten people to raise their eyebrows kobe and mj could never fill lebron's shoes as a player I'm not sold on the Brooklyn Nets right now when they acquired Katie and Kyrie. And I think that team is extremely overrated. Giannis is extremely overrated. Westbrook and Harden are a better duo than Steph and Clay. Like this dude is oozing with bad takes and it's unbelievable. The funny thing though, I remember on a first take one time when he's, told uh, Max Kellerman that Giannis is extremely overrated. Max Kellerman goes, let me tell you something about Giannis. Picture Giannis is just like Ryan Howard, Ryan Hollins, except really good at basketball. <laughs> and, I, and I lost my mind because I hate uh, Max Kellerman too. But I mean, when he said that, I thought that was so funny because like I said, Ryan Hollins, is, he, he's awful. So Ryan Hollins is my pick for that. And my honorable mention, I love college football. And when you think of college football, you think college game day. So you think of Kirk Herbstreit, Chris Fowler, um, Reese Davis, 
Lee Corso. But then there's one guy on the panel that I don't like, and that is Desmond Howard. Why don't I like Desmond Howard? First of all, his laugh. I would rather listen to Cardi B say, okay, a million times and listen to Desmond Howard laugh. And like Desmond Howard picks Michigan all like, he's such a Homer. It's ridiculous. He picks Michigan. Every Michigan could be playing the Kansas city chiefs and he'd still pick Michigan. (laughs) And not only does he do that, he is so anti every other team in the big 10. It's, it's unbelievable. And then when, so like if, a Big Ten team is playing a non-Big Ten team. You should bet all the money in your wallet. Desmond Howard is going to pick that non-Big Ten team. That's not Michigan. And then if he doesn't know anything about either of the teams, he more than likely is going to pick the home team to get people to cheer for him. Like when they were up in uh, Brookings, South Dakota, when they it was South Dakota State and North Dakota State, he picked South Dakota State knowing good and well that North Dakota State was going to win. So – I don't like Desmond Howard. So Ryan Hollins for me is absolutely number one. Desmond Howard, number two. Those are my picks. Two great choices, Kyle. And two, you know, not on the mainstream. I mean, obviously they're still mainstream, but, you know, not, you know, like you said, of the big guys and stuff. Guys you don't notice, but guys that are just super annoying, super aggravating. So very good, underrated choices. So very, very well done. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. So we'll tweet out this poll later this morning. Feel free to uh, cast your vote. And then if you disagree with us on our four choices, reply to us, let us know. So let's dive into our breaking news. And DJ, this is a, this is a scary breaking news. We got to talk about Deshaun Watson. Deshaun Watson currently has 14 allegations of sexual assault against him. I don't know if you've read the accusations, like the descriptions of what he's done. But if he truly has been doing those things, this is absolutely terrifying. I, I, the first article I saw said seven. And then the next one I saw said 10 and then 14. Like each day I did more research, it just got worse and worse. And it just came out of nowhere. Now I, I, you know, I want the investigation to do what the justice system does. And if he's guilty, proven, you know, prove him guilty if he's innocent, prove him innocent, whatever. But like, where is this coming from? Why is this happening? I have so many questions. I'm so confused. I'm so interested in the results. Like what actually happens? Uh, I, a little, I heard this on another uh, podcast, but they were saying like a dark horse theory is that this, all these allegations makes him untradeable. Like no one's going to want to trade for him now. And so the Houston Texans want this to happen. Now, I'm not saying that the Texans did these allegations or that these allegations aren't real. I'm just saying that it's a potential theory or not a theory, but it literally just kills us. What I'm saying, I guess, is that it kills his tradeability. He's no longer going to be able to be traded. No one wants to trade for him. Uh, I, you know, I, I hope he's innocent, but at the same time, if he's guilty, I want him proven guilty. You just can't. I, dudes like that sicken me. Like, come on, man. Be, be a man uh, at the end of the day that's how we were raised kyle so that's normal to us but other people this is something they think is okay or they do i i just don't get it if you have money why are you doing stuff like this like i just there's so many legal things you can do and you're i just it, it boggles my mind i don't get it kyle what do you take it away what do you think 
if this is true, I do think that he is untradeable because that is just absolutely sickening. Now, my opinion is if it's one person, you hear about people all the time, like trying to go against a professional person to get money for them. They're like, oh, by the way, 20 years ago, they did this just to, because now they're famous all of a sudden you want to get money out of them. That's one thing. But 14 different females putting allegations against him is really, really scary to me. And like I said, I read some of those allegations and I mean, it is just, it, it makes my stomach just turn the, the stuff that, that he did. I hope that he, that this stuff isn't true because I do like Deshaun Watson as a player. I think he, I hated him when he, when he played the Titans, but any other time I liked him, but I hope that this stuff isn't true. And if it is, I don't know what his future is going to be like. Hopefully in prison. Yes, very, very much so. So, um, yeah, I think that's all we really got for that, unless you have something more you want to say on that. No, I mean, it's just – it's going to be, you know, like I don't want to sound disrespectful, but it's going to be an exciting story to follow just because there's so much going on, and I have so many questions. Like, why? I just, I just, I wish I could have five minutes with Deshaun and be like, yo, dude, what the heck's going on here? Just to figure out – because it, it just came out of nowhere, and there's so many allegations – and so, yeah, it's going to be interesting to follow. And it's a huge impact in the NFL. I mean, Deshaun Watson's an elite quarterback and quarterbacks are a dime a dozen. So very, you know, there's a lot of factors, a lot of moving pieces, just a lot of sauce. And it'll be, you know, interesting to follow to see, is he guilty? Is he innocent? What's going on? Just getting some answers, getting some clarity. Uh, but I hear you have some stats for us, Kyle. Yes, I do. So my crazy side of the week is sponsored by Muddy Bites. Everybody loves champ cones and absolutely the best part of the champ cone is the bottom piece that's just filled with chocolate in the cone. Absolutely my favorite part of champ cone. That's all Muddy Bites is. It's a bag full end of the champ cones. Uh, go to muddybites.com to get yours today. They're only sold online. So be sure to check it out. So Oral Roberts, they became only the second seat, top, the second team in NCAA Madness March Madness history to be a 15 seed and make the sweet 16. And the other one, one of my favorite teams to watch when I watch March Madness, Lob City, Florida Gulf Coast. And see, this stat really surprised me because I think of like a lot of other notable 15 seeds that I thought could have made the sweet 16, like Lehigh with CJ McCollum. I mean, that dude was unreal in March. Norfolk State was really good. That Mercer team that beat Duke. Way back in the day, it was really good. So that really surprised me that Florida Gulf Coast was the only team to be a 15 seed to make the Sweet 16. Florida Gulf Coast was so fun to watch. I mean, just out of nowhere, this team just came in dunking, and they were just explosive. I I'd never heard of them all year, and then I saw them, and I was just like, wow. Like, they ruined my bracket, but I'm kind of okay with it because they're a fun team to watch. So, yeah, that's that is nutty, though. I would have never guessed that unbelievable yeah and and they they played i think georgetown that year and a lot of people had like georgetown going on to win and stuff like that but i mean after watching them play and then watching them play in the round of 32 like i was okay with it because that team was a fun team to watch oh i remember that first game was just jaw dropping i was just like whoa who are they did the the club trotters come in and play or what what is going on here Yep. So, all right, DJ, let's get into your betting tip of the week. 
All right, DJ's Pro Betting Tips, sponsored by Looch Farms. Great steaks come from happy cows, and happy cows come from Looch Farms. I technically should say cattle, um, but happy cattle come from Looch Farms. Anyway, um, <laughs> feeding the world one day, one step at a time. So today's tip is the art of live betting. Uh, live betting is huge if you understand the sport. You can really make some money. So just for example, this last Monday, Gonzaga was down early to Oklahoma. Uh, and their live bet was minus seven. And before the game, they were minus 16. So I saw Gonzaga at minus seven. I said, wow, I got to take advantage of this. I, I know they're not going to lose. Uh, I respect Oklahoma, but I just I thought Gonzaga was another level. So I bet on Gonzaga minus seven. They end up winning by like, what, 14, 13, or maybe even 16. I don't, I don't know for sure. It was double uh, digits for sure. Yep, yeah. And so by getting a feel of the game and just seeing how things play out, like, for example, let's say a team shoots 60% from three-point in the first half. Uh, and the odds are they're not going to do that in the second half. That's just literally almost impossible. And so you can take advantage of like a massive spread – and assume that this that it's just not going to happen and the second team can make a comeback. Uh, there's just so many different avenues of live betting. Uh, and so if you understand the sport, it's key. A lot of times for a game I didn't like, I did this a lot in the postseason for baseball. I didn't like a game, and so I'd wait. I'd be like, I want to bet the over, but I don't want it at seven and a half. And so I'd wait. First three innings come by scoreless, and now it's down to like five and a half. Boom, I bet it. Because you just know there's going to be runs scored, uh, you know, pitchers coming in, pitchers getting tired, and it ended up being like a six or seven game. So the full game over would never hit, but the live bet over hit. Um, so, yeah, huge into live betting, especially if you understand the sport and are watching the game. That is the key part of it is you got to be watching. So take advantage of it if you're watching a game, but you don't want to bet on it initially. Um, but yeah, that's my uh, pro betting tip of the week. I hear we got a fun main betting segment coming up, don't we, Kyle? Yes, we do. So, like normally, what DJ and I do is we take the five best games from the weekend and say, "Here, this is what we think you should bet on it." But we thought, why do five when you can do eight? So we're gonna do the entire Sweet Sixteen. And what we both did is we filled out a bracket, just starting at the Sweet Sixteen, and just filled it out how we would do so on and so forth and uh, say who our, who our champions are and such like that. So DJ, if you're ready, let's dive right in. Let's go to the games on Saturday, March 27th in the South region. We got, first of all, number one Baylor against number five Villanova. Baylor is currently favored at minus six and a half and an over under at 141. DJ, what are we thinking here? I am all over Baylor. I don't know if I like six and a half. I do like the over here. I feel like a lot of points are going to be scored. So I like the over and I like Baylor. I feel like it's one of two scenarios. Baylor barely wins or Baylor destroys them. Uh, I think Villanova is a little fake. That's why I'm hesitant to believe that Villanova could ever win or cover. Uh, but I, I like Baylor. That's the only big 12 team I think is worth a damn. Uh, so, yeah, that's what I'm going with. Kyle, what do you got? I really, really like Baylor in this game. I love that spread at six and a half. I think they're going to cover that. Pretty, I think it's going to be a double-digit win. I really do. So I love Baylor minus six and a half. I'm having them moving on. 
I do. I'm with you, DJ. I like the over at 141. I think it's going to be a really, really high scoring game with the Big 12 high scoring team. Villanova was really, really good in the Big East. I think it's going to be a high scoring game. So I'm going Baylor minus six and a half and an over of 141. I like that. The next matchup we got is the three seed Arkansas versus the 15 seed Oral Roberts, the surprise team of them all. Arkansas is currently an 11 point favorite and the over under set at 159. I have no idea on the over under. Don't even want to touch it. And I think spread wise, I think I'm going to go Oral Roberts, but game wise, Arkansas all day. I think the magic's run out. I think Arkansas is very athletic. I think they're well coached. I, I think Arkansas has a chance to make a run at it here. It sucks that they have to play Baylor in the next round. Uh, but I think Oral Roberts madness stops against Arkansas. I, I just Arkansas is the better team. 11 point spread says that Arkansas is going to win. Uh, but I do think Oral Roberts can cover losing by 10 is not hard. Uh, so I think they can keep it close. But I think at the end of the game, Arkansas is going to come through. That's what do you got there, Kyle? You you must be reading my notes or something, DJ. Because that's <laughs> the exact same thing I have. I think Oral Roberts is going to make it be a single point win. I think Arkansas barely uh, squeaked by their last game, and I think they uh, I think they will win. Um, but I do like Oral Roberts at plus eleven here, and I am staying away from that one fifty nine over under. I think that's just way too way too. That's like. This is a game if you want to bet over under, you wait till the like you like you were just talking about, you live bet it because I am not messing with a 159 over under. Yep, you got to get a feel of the game. All right. So the winner of that, do we want to go first round or do we want to do the winner of Baylor, Arkansas? We can do the winner of Baylor, Arkansas. All right. So on my bracket, I have Baylor winning. I just believe they're a good team. They're playing well. I think they're super athletic. I also don't respect the SEC other than Bama. I do respect Bama. Uh, I do think there's a, like the spread will be small, but I'm going Baylor here to advance to the final four all the way. Give me the Bears. This is where we differ, DJ. I'm going, and I took them from the start. I'm going Arkansas here to go to the final four. I really, really like uh, Moses Moody for Arkansas. I really think he's – one one of the underrated players in this tournament. I think he's going to have a really, really good game against Baylor. I really love uh, Coach Musselman for – it is Musselman, right? I'm saying that right? I think so, but you're asking the wrong guy. Okay, no, that's fine. That's <laughs> fine. I really, really like uh, Coach Musselman for Arkansas. I think that he can uh, take them quite a ways. I have the, uh, the Razorbacks going to the Final Four. All right. I like it. Our first difference. Only one of us can get it right. Also, I think we're going to keep track of our wins here. So there's we'd have eight, four, two. So, yeah, we'll keep track of our wins and see who has the most points, a point per win. And we'll tweet that out. Uh, so let's go. Let's transition to the Midwest bracket. We have the first matchup, Loyola, the eight seed versus the 12 seed Oregon State. Loyola is favored by six and a half. And over under at 125 and a half. I'll start it off here. Don't want to mess with this over under. This game could be like a 50 50 game or it could be 70 70. I have no idea, but I do think Loyola wins. Do I, I think Oregon State's magic stops kind of the same with Oral Roberts. 
And I, I think Loyola can cover. I think Loyola is a dangerous team. I think Loyola got disrespected at the eight seed. I feel bad for Illinois because I, I don't think they should have had to play a Loyola in the second round. I think Loyola should have been like a six at seven at the worst, seven at the worst seed, a six, maybe even a five seed. They were ranked 19th. I, the people are just disrespecting the Missouri Valley. And look what they did to Illinois. They embarrassed them. Honestly, they had a 10 point lead on almost the entire game. I'm all in on Loyola. Loyola is winning this game. I'm, I'm with you there, DJ. You know, I was watching that game uh, on, on Sunday, and, man, their big man, that Cameron Krotwig or whatever, I mean, that dude's a beast. I mean, he has just the prettiest sky hook I've, I've seen, and he's just – he made uh, Kofi Cockburn look like a fool. And, I mean, he <laughs> – He's so good. That over-under seems incredibly small to me. That makes it tempted for me to take over. But then I realize how good Loyola, Chicago, and Oregon State's defense are. So I think I'm with you on staying away from it, although it's very, very tempting to take that over. But I'm, I would take Loyola, Chicago, minus six and a half here. That over-under is one that you bet. And then it goes like 124 or like 122. Like you're so close, but you just don't hit it. And it's so tempting, like you said. And that's that's how those games play out. Vegas knows. Anyway, the next matchup we got in the Midwest division, Houston, the two seed versus the 11 seed, Syracuse. Houston is currently a six-point favorite. The over-under is 140. Again, not touching the over-under because Syracuse is an under machine on the road. Or maybe it's home, I guess. I'm not sure. Either way, not touching it. I don't know. But I do like Syracuse plus six. And I do think Syracuse wins this game. I think Houston's fake. I think Rutgers showed that when they almost beat them. I, I just don't respect Houston at all. I, I think Syracuse's own defense on little days of preparation, which is what Houston has, is tough. To, to adjust to. So I'm going all cues. Give me the orange man. You, uh, you nailed on the head. I mean, Rutgers is a middle of the pack, big 10 team and they dang near beat Houston. And I, I tell you what though, buddy Bayheim, man, that dude can absolutely feel it from downtown and he's just an absolute monster. So I'm going to go with you, DJ. I'm going to take Syracuse and I'm going to take them money line. I like it. That's ballsy, but a good payout. That's genius. So it looks like both you and I got Syracuse and Loyola Chicago. So not uh, two teams I'm sure hardly anybody had going to the final four in this corner of the bracket. But this game was really, really, really tough for me to decide on who I should go with. But I'm going to roll the dice a little bit and change it up. I'm going to go Syracuse here. To make the final four, I think that two three zone is going to be really, really tough for loyal to Chicago to defend. Uh, I think that zone might be a little more different for that big man to go at it. So I'm going to take Syracuse to go to the final four. We are going to differ here as I am going Loyola. They they're well coached. They have a lot of senior leadership, a lot of dudes who have been here. They have dudes who have been there for that final four run. If you remember a couple years ago, I think it was actually three years ago. Anyway, I, I do agree that zone is going to be tough, but if any team can beat the zone, it's a well-experienced seasoned team with a well-coached staff. 
I think Loyola advances. I think they'll be favored. Uh, I'm going Loyola. They're on another Final Four run. So, yeah. So, all right. So, now we have, in your side, you have Arkansas versus Syracuse, and I have Baylor versus Loyola. I'll bat leadoff here. I think Loyola runs out of magic. I think Baylor's athleticism is going to be the difference in this game. Uh, Loyola, obviously, great team. So fundamental, but Baylor's just going to be too athletic for them. Baylor is advancing to the national championship. What do you got, Kyle? I like it, DJ. I like it a lot. Um, I really like uh, I really like Arkansas here. I think Syracuse, like Loyola Chicago for you, starts to run out of magic a little bit. I think Arkansas has been playing really, really well all year. I've been sold on them all year. I've uh, had them on my card in uh, – on the Twitter page all year. I really, really like Arkansas here. So I'm going to have, and not many people are going to have this. I had this from the get-go. I'm going to have Arkansas going to the national championship. I like it. Sticking to your gut. You put it on your first bracket and you're going to put it on your second. I like that. I had to completely reset. I, I didn't even have anyone available to put on my second bracket. So there has, yeah. that's, that's that's what is what what do. So let's, uh, <laughs> let's transition into the Sunday games on March 28th. We got the West division. We got number one Gonzaga against number five Creighton and freaking Creighton. I had I had Ohio money line and everybody was talking up. I'm gonna call out the the boys at uh the Mount Lockmore pod. They were saying all the time to just bet all your money on Ohio money line, and Ohio got stomped by Creighton. So I'm still a little frustrated on that, but going to the game, Gonzaga. Minus 13 and a half and an over-under of 158. I love Gonzaga. I think they're gonna they're gonna handle Creighton pretty decently. I'm actually as crazy as it sounds, DJ. I'm gonna take Gonzaga minus 13 and a half. That doesn't sound crazy at all, Kyle. That sounds quite sane. And yeah, I agree. I was all on that Ohio money line. Did not work out. Not at all. So I'm a little bitter. I'm a little worried that Gonzaga might not be real. I believe they're real, but they haven't played anyone besides Iowa. We just saw that Iowa got exposed by Oregon. I do think Gonzaga cleans up Creighton. I think Gonzaga minus 13 and a half is a lock. Uh, the over-under, no idea. Uh, they could score a lot. They could score a little. I really don't know. So no help on that. But I don't think Creighton, I just, yeah, I don't know. Gonzaga's well-coached. They got good athletes. I'm going Gonzaga all the way. And that over-under is just something, like, not to mess with. 158, that's, like, 79 points apiece. That's just – that's crazy. Yeah. So, I'm, but, I'm with you. So, the other game in the West is number six, USC, against number seven, Oregon. Battle of the Pac-12. Right now, USC is favored, minus two and a half, and over-under of 139 and a half. Dude, Evan Mobley on USC, like, he could be a top three pick with Cade Cunningham. This dude is just – an absolute monster. And I think he can make a major impact on any team that he goes to in the NBA. So I have been sold on USC all year. I actually, in a couple brackets, had USC beating Kansas to going to the, the next round. And I'm, I'm sticking with that. I'm taking USC minus two and a half. And if it's fairly decent money line, I'll take the money line too. And over under, I, I have always wanted to bet overs in the Pac-12. It's never panned out for me, so I'm just <laughs> staying away from it. 
Yeah, Kyle, you could not have described that situation any better. Mobley is Garrett Mobley, whatever the heck his name is, is guaranteed to be a top five pick. He's guaranteed to be a lottery pick, I guess. I'm assuming he's going to be top five, probably top three. His last game against Kansas was insane. His ability to shoot, his ability to defend, his ability to finish inside, like for a guy that's 6'10", to be able to do all of that, it's just unheard of. And it's just really tough, honestly. And he's going to be a great player in the NBA. I'm all on USC. And that over-under seems like, as soon as I saw it, I was like, oh, the over. And then I was like, no, 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 no. There's got to be a reason it's that low. Because 70 to 70 for two teams. I mean, we just watched Oregon drop, what, 90-some on Iowa? And USC just dropped a ton on Kansas. And you're thinking, oh, but they match up so much better. Their athleticisms cancel each other out, and they don't score as much as you would think. So that's one where I might live bet. But as dangerous as it is, I'm not taking the over. But I'm not confident enough to bet the under because then you look like an idiot when they score 85-85. You're like, oh, wow, who would have bet the under? So I'm all – Do it. Sorry, I was just saying, just a point of reference for me, I guess – I don't bet unders. I hate betting unders because every time I do it, the over hits by a million. So if I look at an over under, if I think it's good enough to bet the over, I'll do it. If I don't think it's good enough to bet the over, I just won't do anything with it. I hate betting unders. I agree. It's I, yeah. The only thing I like betting unders on is hockey and baseball, but those are educated unders and I know they're going under. And they're fun to watch dudes strike dudes out in baseball. Hockey, I don't watch unders. But, yeah, I they're just not fun. You know, I want to watch a fun game. And unders are not fun. So, I don't bet unders. I agree. But- Absolutely. So, you and I both agree we have Gonzaga and USC in the Elite Eight. I'm assuming Gonzaga will still be favored by quite a bit. I love, Go- I love Gonzaga. I think they're going to be – they're the best team – out of the bunch i think so far so i'm taking gonzaga going to the final four i agree i think usc is very raw i think they're super talented super athletic but i think they're very raw and i think gonzaga being well coached well-rounded i think they they have the edge so yes i'm also going with the gonzaga what are they the bulldogs bulldogs yep i'm going with the dogs i like it all right let's Transitioning in the last corner of the bracket, the East. So first matchup, we got number one, Michigan against number four, Florida State. Current line is Michigan minus three and an over under at 144. This is, like I said, I don't like betting unders because like you always say, unders are boring, but this is a game that I would consider betting the under for because I think that it's going to be a very, very low scoring game. I think Florida State's defense is really, really solid. And I think they'll hold Michigan down by quite a bit. And I don't know if Florida State's as good a scoring as Michigan. So I would take the under here. If I would bet unders, I don't. But if I would, that would be a game I would consider. And as far as who do I think is going to win, I think Michigan's going to win. I think they're really, really solid. So I'm actually going to take Michigan minus three, and I would take the money line too. Michigan with Isaiah Livers taking them every time but the fact is they don't have Isaiah Livers and as much as I've hated on Florida State all year I think they're decently athletic they're pretty athletic actually and I think they have some shooters I'm I'm going with the surprise here I'm going Florida State and if I were you I'd take Florida State's spread plus three I'd take their money line uh over under 
I would go over, but I, I, I don't know. I, I could easily see it going under. I, again, I'm staying away. The over-unders right now, I don't know. I can, I'm only capping the spreads and the money lines because I just don't know over-unders. But I'm going with the surprise. I think FSU wins. Like I said, I feel like it's not fair because Michigan's not at full strength. Uh, but I just think FSU is a lot more athletic. And if Michigan's not hitting the three, I think it's over. Uh, I think they have the athletic big. I can't think of his name that can handle uh, Dickinson. Uh, so I think the, I think I'll shut him down. But yeah, I'm going FSU. But this next one we have uh, interesting game: the two seed Bama, Alabama versus the 11 seed UCLA. Alabama is currently a six point favorite. The over under set at 145. First thing off. I like the over. I think this is going to be just an up and down. This is going to be a crazy pace game, a ton of scoring. Uh, and I also like Bama. I think UCLA is going to kind of, this is where they kind of rubber meets the road. And I just don't think they're ready to face a team. Bama's just so senior. I mean, they have so many dudes. That John Petty dude is still at the school. I mean, wasn't he there like 10 years ago? <laughs> He was there when Colin Sexton was there, and Colin Sexton's gone. Like, what, what is going on? So I, I do think they have a lot of good veteran leadership at Alabama, and I just they can shoot the three. They can defend. They're athletic. I'm all in on Bama, uh, minus six. And for funsies, I'm throwing it on the over because I think it's going to be a high-scoring game. But that is my take on that game. No, I'm, I'm with the DJ and the over. I really, really like uh, – I think they're going to score – 75 plus both of them so i really really like the over here and then uh ucla they really haven't had horrible teams they've had to play like who did they play first round i can't remember they were an 11 seed they played um who did they play uh ucla played byu byu yeah so they played B byu being a six seed is ridiculous so, um, they played BYU and then they played Abilene Christian after that and held Abilene Christian to 40 points. They, they have, they've had a cakewalk the first two games of the tournament. I think they're going to be in for a shock when they play Bama. I like Bama minus six here. I want to take a second to roast Abilene Christian or whatever the heck their name is. They're so bad. They're not good at all. How they beat Texas. I don't know. They almost lost to Texas and Texas had like 25 turnovers a season high. Texas had it, and they almost lost. That that game against UCLA was a lock. I, I I knew there was no chance. I mean, oh, I watched them play. I was like, these guys are terrible. Yet they were beating Texas. It didn't make any sense. Anyway, they not only beat Texas, they beat them. I think one of the guys on their team made like a go-ahead free throw with like a second to go. So, I mean, they barely beat them. That is correct. I watched the game. Really hard to watch as I thought Texas could make a run because they're super athletic. I've been saying it all year on this podcast, and Texas showed me that they're terrible. Shock Smart's terrible. The whole organization's dead to me. When are they going to be good at a sport again? When are they going to be good at a men's sport? When are they going to be good at a men's sport that actually matters, like baseball, football, or basketball? Because they haven't been good since Colt McCoy. I'm done with Texas. I'm, I'm always done with Texas. Horns down forever. I'm on your side. I'm on your side. Finally, Kyle, it took them having 25, some turnovers. Oh, I just, I stuck my neck out all year. Anyway, I'm not going to go on a tangent. So you have Bama and Michigan. I have Florida state and Bama. 
Uh, I think Florida State is good and athletic, but I don't think they are as veteran-led as Bama is. So I think Bama wins this matchup. I got Alabama going to the Final Four in this one. Just more athletic, more senior, veteran-led, great shooters. I mean, I, I wanted to hate Bama for so long, but I've accepted the reality that they're actually pretty good at basketball. So that is my take. And I think on one of the first, I think it was the first episode of Gambling Feud, I made the comment that it's not fair that Bama's good at multiple sports and that what are we going to have next, that UConn's going to be good at women's volleyball too, like they're good at women's basketball. So um, in my opinion, I think that as much as I want to go Alabama here, I really, really like Michigan. I've had Michigan from the start when I first filled out the bracket. I'm sticking with that. I'm going Michigan to the final to the final four. I like it. Staying true to yourself. Believing believing you had it right the first time, which I didn't. So that's why I had to completely reset. Uh, so I have Gonzaga, Bama. You have Gonzaga, Michigan. Simple here. I think Gonzaga is the better team. I think they're as legit as advertised. I'm going with Gonzaga here to make it to the national championship. I think Bama's good, but they're just not great. And I think Gonzaga's great. You know, they got that post. They got the outside. Gonzaga's just got it all. Uh, yeah, Gonzaga, simple. I, I, I like it, DJ. Now, if if my prediction comes true, I mean, you we got a battle of two really, really solid coaches with Mark Few and Jawan Howard. So that would be really, really fun to see those two go at it. I love Gonzaga. I've loved them all year. I think they're – just all around a solid team. They got several guys who could go to the draft this year. I'm taking Gonzaga to go to the national championship to take on Arkansas. I like it. So we both have Baylor. Or no, you have Arkansas, Gonzaga. I have Baylor, Gonzaga. Yep. So let, let's just get, get right to it. Uh, Gonzaga has never been this far in March Madness, I don't think, ever. And they definitely haven't won a national championship ever until this year. I am taking the Bulldogs to win the national championship. I'm in the same boat. I think the problem I have with Baylor is they start like four guards. Uh, so I, with Gonzaga's big, I think that becomes kind of crucial. And I think Gonzaga is really well coached. Uh, I think they have a lot of athletes. I hate it. I like, I don't like saying this. I have always had beef with Gonzaga. They're not in a real conference. I mean, I love to beat down Gonzaga, but I can't. And I'm going to say Gonzaga wins. Their post goes off. Suggs does his thing. Baylor's going to compete. It's not going to be an easy win. Uh, but I think Gonzaga has their ball in their hands with the game coming down to the wire. And I think Suggs does something where you're like, wow, that guy's really good like uh, Michael Carter-Williams did with Syracuse or Kemba Walker that one year or Trey Burke with Michigan. I mean, there's going to be a dude who just goes off, and I think it's going to be Suggs. So that's what I think. And, yeah, we're, we're in, what, consensus here? Yep, we're in consensus. Now, when I was listening to the Mount Lockmore podcast, they asked this question. I want your opinion on it, DJ. Who do you think is a better player, Jalen Suggs or Cade Cunningham? Oof, better players and like better college player or like better NBA potential? Both. I think size wise, may the size is size is so big. You can't teach size, is what it comes down to. You can teach fundamentals, you can teach dribble, you can teach everything. You can't teach size. 
So I think Cade Cunningham being what six 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 seven, I think that's huge. Uh, and I think he can learn the things he's not good at. For example, Jalen Brown going to the NBA, third pick. Everyone thought it was terrible, but Jalen Brown was stupid athletic, and they taught him how to shoot. They taught him how to pass. They taught him everything he needed to know. I think the same applies to Cade Cunningham. I think his size and his athleticism is going to be huge, and they could teach him the little things of ball handling and just the little little things he needs to fix to be the best player he can be. Whereas Jalen Suggs is what, six foot, six two? I mean, I'm not sure. I'm just shooting from the hip here. I think Jalen Suggs is a better shooter, better, like, better ability to score with, with the shooting ability, not an athleticism ability. Uh, it's a tough one, but yeah, I got to go Cunningham here just from raw size uh, and ability to defend. If you're taller, you can defend better. Now, I don't know if Cade Cunningham plays defense, no idea, um, but I know that just helps. Size is everything um not no knock on Suggs uh I think he's a great player but I, I do think Cunningham's a better player no I'm I, I'm with you Suggs Suggs is just a man among boys but Cade Cunningham is just different like you said size wise just his ability to score anywhere inside the arc like I said when he de- when he develops an outside game like that dude's gonna be something special to whoever whoever gets him in the draft so I absolutely agree with you so that is our main betting segment. Let's transition into the guest pick'em. All right, now we are on to our guest pick'em segment, sponsored by Pitchfork Ag. Pitchfork Ag and Lamar is owned by me and DJ's uncle Mike. It is a Toro and Steel dealer in Lamar's that sells lawnmowers, snowblowers, and just about anything else you might be looking for. They're great family-owned business. Check them out, Pitchfork Ag in Lamar's. So, our guest. Pick'em segment. DJ and I are going to do a little something special with this guest pick'em segment. We're going to have a different guest on every single week. And then at the end of the year, in probably early December, we're going to have a contest between the top eight people of the year of who uh, is the best better of them all. We'll do like a little contest. So like one week, like the top uh, unit person will play the eight seed and so on and so forth. And then when you're you lose, you're out. So that's what we're going to start doing here. So just look at our recap right now. Currently in first place is Alex Long at plus 10.6 units. Second place is Soup at plus 0.81 units. Third place is DeVos at plus 4.38 units. Our guest picker last week, Brody Carr, is in fifth at plus 3.74 units. Uh, JT Jake Thompson at minus 7.4 units and Polk nation is in last right now at minus 7.64 units. So we now have our next guest, Eric, uh, DJ, why don't you go ahead and do a little interview with him? Yes. So Eric Luch, the face of Luch farms and the future of Luch farms. How are you doing today, Eric? I'm doing great. It's a little rainy, but we need the rain. Um, so we didn't get much done outside, but I'm doing good today. Feeling good after a rough weekend of gambling. And you were a former or still an employee of Pitchfork Egg. Is that correct? I did. I worked for them part-time last year, just in and out in between things when we're not busy in the field. And then I just, I guess we're kind of busy this Christmas and winter. And then now that my dad had knee surgery, um, I'm kind of picking up in a couple extra steps on the farm. So I just haven't gotten back to it yet, but yeah. I worked for them last year. All righty. Well, the segment is sponsored by them, so it should give you a little extra mm-hmm. luck as a former oh, employee. <laughs> I need it. I need the luck. 
All right. So as I said, the future of Luch Farms, you, you bought a place uh, on kind of the, the square mile of Luch Farms. So tell us a little bit about the farm and what you guys are up to these days. Well, yeah, I bought this acreage about two, two and a half years ago, about a mile from my dad's and your dad's place. Um, I guess I'm the young buck around, so they make me do all the manual labor, if you will, because they're both getting up there. As I mentioned, my dad had knee surgery a week ago, so he's still recovering. And then Tom likes to sit inside and do book work and take care of the daycare kids. So that just makes me do all the stuff outside. Um, pretty slow right now. You know, it's too early to get into the fields. And we don't have much livestock right now. The market's kind of crazy. And you're almost better off just selling the grain, getting cash for it, than trying to feed it, you know. Um, yeah, we're hoping in a couple of weeks it dries up and start going and doing some field work, get back at it. I like that. And you mentioned the daycare. Now you have two little ones. Is that correct? I do. Yeah. I've got Erwin, who's, oh, geez, he's 20 months now. He's up in bed. And then I got little Cooper. She was born on February 2nd, so seven weeks ago. And she's doing awesome. She's growing. Everything's going great right now. And mom's doing great too. Well, that's good. Shout out, Jocelyn. Mm-hmm. Stout, is that correct? Yep. All right. Now Luch, obviously taking. Oh, yeah, the... we're made a name. Let's yeah. Go. Oh yeah, taking the farm <laughs> over. <laughs> yeah. All right. So as I mentioned before, when you guys couldn't hear on the podcast, that I am repping my Minnesota Joe Mauer jersey for Eric because I know that is one of the teams he's a fan of. But yeah, why don't you go ahead and tell us what teams you support, what teams you cheer for? Well, I guess we'll start there. Um, Minnesota Twins, I guess baseball wasn't my favorite sport growing up, but, you know, I followed it. My brothers played it, and I guess I can uh, geographically based. I picked the Twins because they're closest to us, and it's the easiest team to go to games in the summer. Kind of sucks because it's been, ooh, what, 18, 19 years since they've won a playoff game. (laughs) um, We actually went to the game when they played the Yankees two years ago. Sold out night game, you know, juice is flowing, and they just laid an egg on national television. So the streak continues, one of the most infamous streaks in baseball right now. Um, also, I like Green Bay Packers, another frustrating franchise. Can't get over that hump of the NFC title game. And of course, Tom Brady had to switch over to the NFC and shove it up, you know. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, Iowa Hawkeyes, uh, Northern Iowa. Big Northern Iowa fan, mid-major guy. Um, basketball, I guess. Say if the Timberwolves, most disappointing basketball franchise in the history of ever. I mean, they just can't get out of their own way. Bad draft picks. I think the front office needs canned. Uh, what sport haven't I covered? Football, hockey. basketball. Hockey. I'm starting to get into hockey more and more recently because I think gambling helps that. But I follow the Minnesota Wild. Uh, my, hey. roommate in, my roommate in college is from the Twin Cities area, so that helped. And he was a, you know, he could name everybody on the roster, so that helped. But yeah, I'd say the Minnesota Wild. All righty. Well, since this is a sports gambling show, I guess we should ask how you got started gambling. Maybe the sports you like to gamble most. Um, you know, what sports maybe you're best at? Kind of just your your sports gambling rundown. I don't think I'm good at gambling on any of them. <laughs> Check the date account. <laughs> um, no, I started a couple years ago. 
Uh, three, four years ago, I just started strictly college football. I felt like that's what I knew the most. Um, well, I have a football background. I played collegiate football for a couple of years at Warburg College. And then, so I have a football background. That's my favorite sport. So I feel like I knew that the best. So I started with college football and NFL football. And then didn't do so hot the first couple of years. Uh, a couple of years, uh, that was about three years ago. And then two years ago, actually had a positive year over the whole calendar year, or whole football season. And then you get into March Madness and everybody does those bracket pools and you buy-ins and all that stuff. Those are always fun, even though nobody ever wins. Like this year's bracket, for example. Um, that's how I started. And now that you can gamble online on your phone, I mean, I push two buttons on your phone and you can place a bet in 30 seconds. So that the ease of it and the act, quick access of it really helps a lot, you know, the degenerates lose money. <laughs> oh, I know that. Oh, for sure. Me and Eric try and we text a little bit every now and mm -hmm. then trying to figure out what bets we like. He's He's got a brother who's pretty good with hockey, so I like to for now and then run my bets by him and get Eric's yeah, me opinion. and me and my two brothers have a text group. We usually text my brother Joe. He's the most knowledgeable of all three of us on hockey, so we consider him our hockey guy. Even though I know DJ would DJ, you would kick his butt in gambling hockey. I mean, he's well documented the month of March, month of March what you've done. I've been uh, on a been on a heater. You've been on a big heater. <laughs> yeah. And then Alex is more of a baseball guy, so he'll help us in the summer. You just, you know, we do it for fun. I'm not trying to break the bank. You know, it's fun. Put some, put some of your skin in the game. Makes it more interesting to watch. Oh, for sure. You can turn an irrelevant game, a game you oh, care absolutely. nothing about, into a game you are interested, you're invested, like every shot matters or every throw or every play. It, it's crazy. It's, it's like going to the bowling alley or going to a movie. It's literally the same form of entertainment, except for with this form, you have a chance to win money. Yep. And then you wonder, you're watching football on Sunday night, and it's a 21-point game in the fourth quarter, and Josh is, my wife's like, hey, let's go to bed. Like, yeah, I should probably watch the end of this game. <laughs> well, it's a blowout. Oh, I need, like, seven more points. <laughs> <laughs> we got to hit this over. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, it's definitely uh, – you know, it gets your heart racing in some, you know, primetime games, put some skin in the game. Thanksgiving is always a big day. Christmas Day, you know, basketball. But football's trying to take that over now. And like now, I got some skin on some W or uh, college women's basketball going on right now. So I'm checking the scores. I saw you guys were texting about yeah. that today. Iowa, Iowa laid the hammer today. There we go. Let's go Hawks, if you, baby. If you haven't watched them yet, they got a freshman by the name of Caitlin Clark. She leads the nation in scoring. She put up 35 today on 13 for 21 shooting. She is just an absolute baller. And lucky for them, they get to play UConn next round. So, you know, I was, I, was, I was just about to say something about Caitlin Clark, Eric. I'm glad you said that because <laughs> she was unbelievable in high school. And then she gets to college and she's leading the nation in scoring as a freshman. I mean, you nailed it on the head. Mm -hmm. there. Yeah. She's definitely fun to watch. And that game against UConn, oh boy, I'll be first team to 90 points to probably win that game. <laughs> All right. Interesting question here. I just saw this on Twitter the other day, and I thought it was a good, good topic to debate. But basically the tweet was something, if the rim and if the rim was lowered in the WNBA to nine and a half feet, 
do you think a that would get more fans b would it make more entertaining games c should they do it uh eric i'll let you bat lead off on this one no i did not see that so this is the first time i've heard of it um i don't think so just leave it the way it is from when they started growing up fourth fifth grade up it's been a 10 foot hoop 10 foot rim i don't see why you have to go change it you lower it six inches what an extra couple dozen girls might be able to dunk it so I get a couple extra dunks in the game. I don't think that's going to put asses in the seats during the games. Um, I just say leave it where it is. The girls are talented enough. Yeah, they can't dunk it, but they're just as skilled as the NBA players. Very well put. Kyle, what are your thoughts? You know, Eric said it spot on. Like, And this isn't a knock at women's basketball or not, but just it's, it's very, very tough for like a woman to – dunk a basketball it, it just is like unless you're like uh britney griner who's mm-hmm. like six inches taller than me or, uh, <laughs> i think as far as i know and someone correct me if i'm wrong but the only dunkers that i know that are women is britney griner candace parker and lisa leslie are the only three i can think of that have dunked a basketball and if there's someone else like let, let me know so i don't know if lowering it six more inches is going to make that big of a difference. I think women's basketball, I'm a fan of women's basketball, so I like watching it the way it is. I don't think that doing that is going to make it more exciting to watch or get more fans to watch it. Yeah, uh, good points by you guys. And I, I see both sides of it. Like, as a woman, you have your pride, and you, you want to play on a 10-foot hoop. You know, you've always played on a 10-foot hoop. The men play on a 10-foot hoop. Uh, so I get that. I a hundred percent get that. You're just as good on a 10 foot. Hoop. I, I get that as well. Uh, from the other side of explosiveness and revenue, if lowering the hoop gets more people in the seats and increases the revenue of the WNBA and your salary all of a sudden doubles, mm-hmm. is that a bad, is that a bad thing? Like, are you willing to kind of swallow your pride in order to get double the salary? Now that doesn't mean it will happen. But mm-hmm. it's, it's an interesting thought. You know, it, yeah. Can you make more money? I don't know. It is. And I guess I don't know of any research to, that's gone into researching that or not. I mean, that's first step would be doing research on it and seeing if it's a plausible road to go down. Well, well put. Well yeah. put. All right. Quickly here, your thoughts on March Madness. How are your brackets doing? You making any money betting? Just – Loose topic, March Madness. What do you got, Eric? Not great, Bob. <laughs> um, I mean, it's awesome. I love watching the games. I'm a big mid-major guy. I love the underdogs. I could give a crap. Like, Duke, Kentucky aren't in it. That's awesome. I, I mean, they've been there a thousand times. Like, I'm a Valley guy. I've been on Arch Madness a couple times. Um, I'm a big Northern Iowa fan, so I actually like Loyola. I didn't think they are going to win. But I knew they'd hang close within a bet on within the spread against Illinois. Um, overall, I mean, Gonzaga. Have you watched Gonzaga play? Watched them yeah. beat the shit out of Iowa. You know, that was four, three months ago. But lately, I mean, <laughs> they just destroyed teams. And then Oklahoma came within eight or nine, and they just scored eight points down the stretch to cover the spread. And there's just been some crazy games. Not really many buzzer beaters, per se. I think there's – has there been one buzzer beater yet this tournament? I don't think there's been any. Abilene Christian scored like a go-ahead free throw, like a oh, second. Oh, yeah. Throw, so. uh, me, and D, me and DJ have differing opinions on that game. <laughs> Whether it's a foul or not, I he just – He got fouled. 
I just don't. I yeah, it could be like, a foul. Do you I swallow don't the do you swallow the whistle type thing? That's my question. They yeah. usually yeah. do. They didn't there, but we, me and Kyle were talking about this earlier on the show. I just Texas doesn't deserve to win after twenty five or some turnovers. No. They don't. And they that's just, I mean, look back in the history. That's Shaka Smart. He's done nothing since that VCU Final Four run eight years, nine years ago. He's done nothing since then. Yeah, I think he's one of the most overrated, right up there with Fran. If Fran's even rated, I mean. <laughs> Two thumbs down. Yeah. Yeah, there's uh, – that's a whole – we can spend a whole topic <laughs> on Iowa basketball. Me and Kyle went on a rant at the uh, beginning of the podcast about this. But mm-hmm. anyway, so we explained the rules to Eric of the Pick'em. Kyle kind of addressed it. So let's jump into the games. This will be the first time where our guest picker isn't picking strictly – uh, Wednesday or Thursday games, basically the game when the podcasts are released. Because of college basketball, we decided to do something special. Uh, so we did a couple Saturday games. Uh, so, yeah, Kyle, you want to start off with the first games, letting Eric know, and let's do a little breakdown. Yep, absolutely. So our first Sweet 16 game we will be discussing is number the 11 seed Syracuse at the 2 seed Houston. Game time is – uh, Saturday, March 27th at 8.55 on TBS. The line currently right now is Houston minus six with an over-under at 140. DJ, why don't you talk some trends and I'll get into some player analysis and then we can do our picks. Uh, yeah, so Syracuse on the year, not very good against the spread. On the road, not very good against the spread. Uh, but the last five games, they're 5-0 and against the spread. And the last 10 games, they're 7-3 and against the spread. Houston, on the other hand, very good uh, as they play nobody, but I'll get into that later. Uh, they're 19 and nine against the spread on the year. They're nine and five at home, three and two in their last five, and six and four in their last 10. And then over unders is crazy. Syracuse is polar opposite. Uh, so they're 14 and 13 at hitting overs on the year, but they're 11 and two on the road, which means they're what, three and 11 at home, which is just nutty to me. How you Carrier be, Dome. Yeah, yep. Oh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, Syracuse on the road, an over team. And then Houston, surprisingly, kind of 500 at hitting overs. They're 14 and 14 on the year, 7 and 7 on the road, uh, 3 and 2 in the last 5, 6 and 4 in the last 10. Nothing too awesome there. But, Kyle, I hear we got some interesting players. What do you got for us there? Yeah, we got a battle of two guys who's averaging about 18 points per game. So for Syracuse, and I hope if you've been watching March Madness, you'll know this guy, Buddy Beheim, averaging 18 points per game and shooting nearly 40% from three. I remember a Coda Capper Brandon saying that Buddy Beheim has probably one of the more punchable faces in March Madness. <laughs> Which, I mean, agree to disagree on that. And then for Houston, you got uh, Quentin Grimes, who's averaging – uh, 18.1 points per game and six rebounds. So uh, I'll kick us off here. So Houston struggled against Rutgers and Rutgers is a middle of the pack big 10 team. So I question how good Houston is here. Um, I'm going to shy away from the over under of 140 for now. If it, if it decreases, increases, then I might change my mind. But I think the value here and just my general mindset and heart is telling me to take Syracuse money line. Spot on, Kyle. Mm-hmm. I we I've said this earlier. The Big Ten has been proven as frauds, other than Michigan and Rutgers. Almost beat Houston. Literally pissed it down their leg, leg mm-hmm. like you said. 
So I am going big on Syracuse plus six. I'm going big on Syracuse uh, money line. No idea about over to under. Not even going to touch it. The thing, a huge note I want to make here, that two, three zone on no days or one or two days of preparation, even the couple days they're going to have is so tough. I don't know how much zone Houston saw this year. I'm assuming it's not much. So I'm just, that's not going to be an easy adjustment. Syracuse is in the zone. They're having a good flow. They're riding a hot wave. Ride with the hot team. Syracuse all the way. Eric, what do you have? Well, it's good to hear differing perspectives and kind of, I haven't really looked at lines yet this week. It's only Tuesday. Um, yeah, six points is a lot to lay. And if you watched Houston against Rutgers, I mean, they only scored 63 and they really had to scratch and claw their way back in that game. They're down, what, 12 with two minutes left. Oh, um, I don't know if I'm going to touch the line right now unless it moves because, I mean, Buddy Beheim's just been on fire electric. It's must-watch TV with him the last two games. I mean, he's pulling up from half court and chucking them in. Uh, Houston, they got a couple guys. I watched that game against Rutgers. They got a couple guys that are battling injuries. They didn't look too fresh. They didn't look too hot. So maybe this week off will help them recuperate and figure out how to beat this zone. But I'm a law of averages guy. Water always finds a level. And there's no way in hell that Buddy Bayham's going to shoot that hot again next weekend. I just don't see it happening. He can't stay that hot. So I see one or over under 140. I'm going to go under 140. I think it'll be in the 60s. I'd be shocked. I could see both teams trying to slow it down. I could, I'd be shocked if it goes over 140. Um, how many units should I put on it? I'm, I don't know. Got to risk it for the biscuit. I know. I got to try and beat that 10-unit mark, but I'll just put three. I'll put three units on the under 140, and then if that line moves, I'm still thinking about it. I don't know. I believe in taking Houston because I just don't believe in Syracuse, but that will come bite me in the ass, I bet. I like and, just now, and just a note, too, that since this game is later on, Eric does have the option to change his picks. If he so if he so chooses as we move on, so this, these are just preliminary picks right now. So for now, we'll just have them at uh, three units at a under one forty, but that can also very easily change. So yes. let's uh, transition to our next our next game, another Sweet Sixteen game between a really really surprising team in college basketball that nobody expected to happen. We got the three seed Arkansas against the fifteen seed Oral Roberts. Game time set for Saturday, March 27th at 625 on TBS. The line right now is set at Arkansas minus 11 and an over-under at 159. DJ, what do we got for trends? These two teams are really good at covering the spread. Arkansas <laughs> on the year, 19, 9 and 1, 9 and 4 on the road, 8 and 2 in their last 10. Oral Roberts, 16 and 9, 13 and 4 on the road five and oh in their last five eight and two in their last ten uh over unders too these teams they like to hit overs when it's on the road uh arkansas is eight and five at hitting the over on the road and oral roberts is 13 and four at hitting the over on the road uh what players kyle i know you know one of the coaches there for arkansas what players do we got to look out for today or not yeah, today, saturday <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Shout out 
Caleb Klein graduated with him at Lamar's. So he's a graduate assistant in Arkansas. I, I saw him on, on TV actually the other day, whenever Arkansas won, you saw him on TV celebrating with some of the players. That was pretty cool to watch, but diving into the players to watch. So for Arkansas, you got Moses Moody, who's averaging 17.1 points per game and 5.8 rebounds. But boys, for Oral Roberts, Max Abrams has been absolutely feeling it this March. He's averaging 24 and a half points per game and shooting 43% from three. But I mean, just in March Madness, he had 29 points against Ohio State. He had 25 points against Florida. I mean, this dude is living in March right now. So I think Arkansas is going to win this game. I don't think I'm with an 11 point spread money line is not a value bet at all. So, but I do think it's going to be closer than 11 points. So I'm going to take uh, Oral Roberts uh, plus 11 and then an over under at 151. I'm not even going to touch. It's good call. I have what someone, well, first off slight note. I played on the same Little League baseball team as Caleb Klein. Wow. So, Big yeah. time. And he's a coach for Arkansas. Graduate assistant coach. But How did he get that? I never knew that. I think he's going to grad school there. And I don't know. Oh, because he, cool. coached, he coached at um, South Dakota. And then yeah. he actually became a player because there were short guys because dudes got hurt. Oh, okay. Situation's kind of weird. So I don't know yeah. if that helped or what. But, but, yeah. Anyway, we played on the same Little League baseball team. So I'm basically famous. Um, <laughs> anyway, I'm going to do a crazy, crazy parlay for this game. I'm going oh boy. Arkansas money line parlayed with Oral Roberts plus 11. That's right. Oh, you're, you heard it here first. It's a lock, oh, man. Arkansas is going to win, but they're not going to win by 11. It's not going to happen. Oral Roberts, Max Abrams going to keep them in the game. Arkansas is going to win by seven ish. Maybe with, with files, they're going to win by seven, eight ish. Um, so I think that's the only way you can take advantage of both sides. I'm doing that parlay and it's going to hit Eric. What do you got? That's wild. You're really putting yourself in a pickle there. You got 11 points to play with. I don't like doing that, <laughs> but what did you say? The over under was, I thought it was 159. Yeah. 159. Okay. Oh, that's still a lot of points. I'm a sucker for overs. I love points And with the way Oral Roberts has been shooting. And if you watch any SEC basketball, Arkansas, as well as, well, LSU just bowed out, but Alabama, they just ch chuck the ball up and they score at, I mean, at any given moment, they'll put up 12 points on you. Um, you guys follow that Ken Palm at all? Are you using Ken Palm rankings? Oh, yeah. If you look at that. Well, if you look at it, Arkansas is number 15, and you have to scroll and keep scrolling, keep scrolling. Oral Roberts is ranked 128. Oof. They're way down there. And I don't know, this might just me being dumb and being a homer, but their Cinderella run's going to end. I, I like laying the 11 points with Arkansas. I think they're going to lay it on them. Their athleticism, they're going to get up and down the court on them. And then over 159, under 159. Uh, I might just leave that one alone for now because that's a lot of, that's, I mean, that's 80 points apiece. You're looking at 85.75 for his final score. But I like laying the 11 points with Arkansas. I think Oral Roberts, their gas is out. They're done for the year. Awesome run. Funny name. But I'll lay the 11 with Arkansas. How many units you thinking? Oh, boy. Um, I'll just do two. 
Two units. Gotcha. Nope. Yeah, the uh, ORU tweets are hilarious. Oh, I don't know if so they... <laughs> oh, man, oh, they man. are funny. But... Twitter was made for moments like this. <laughs> Seriously. It was made uh... for funny one-liners. <laughs> oh, yeah. Twitter sometimes is the best and sometimes it's the worst. It's very bipolar. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, let's uh, transition to our last of the college basketball games for this uh, guest pick them. We got also another game Saturday, March 27th at 140 on CBS. We got eight seed Loyola Chicago against 12 seed Oregon State. Right now, the line is set at Loyola minus six and a half with an over under at 125 and a half. All right, DJ, what do we got for trends for this game? Both teams surprisingly very good at covering the spread. Loyola eight actually not Loyola is not a surprise and I said this earlier Loyola should have never been an eight seed super disrespectful and it showed Loyola should have been like a five six at the worst a seven seed so I think they got disrespected but I'll get into that later all right already got into it earlier I guess anyway Loyola's 18 and nine and one against the spread this season 12 four and one on the road five and zero oh in the last five and then Oregon State, 29-1 and one against the spread on the season, 12-3 and three on the road. That is insane. That's crazy. 5-0 and oh in the last five and 9-1 and one against the spread in their last 10. Over-unders, not as obvious as the spreads. Loyola is 13-15 on the season, 8-9 on the road, 4-6 and six in their last 10. And Oregon State, 18-12 and 12 at hitting the over this season, 9-6 and six on the road. Four and one in their last five, and seven and three in their last ten. They've got some interesting players. Kyle, what do we got? Yeah, they do. So I didn't know this guy until I watched this game, but I wish I would have watched uh, Loyola Chicago's big man Cameron Kurtwig more because I mean that dude absolutely made. And I said this earlier, and I'm gonna say it again. That dude made Kofi Cockburn look like a fool. And I mean, he just <laughs> has like the prettiest sky hook, and I mean, he's just a man among boys. I, w- I would have liked to see him go up against Luca Garza. Just seeing those two battle it out, I think would have been just so fun to watch. But anyways, Cameron Qu- Crutwig averaging five points, 15 points, and nearly seven rebounds per game. And then Oregon State's got uh, Ethan Thompson, who's averaging 15.6 points, uh, nearly four rebounds and four assists per game. When you, when you look at the spread here, and I – or at the over under here, and I said this earlier, 125 is not a lot of points. No, so like my mind, my mindset is thinking it's got to be over. But Loyola Chicago's defense is really, really solid, and Oregon State isn't bad either. So I'm not sure if I'd want to go over for this, as tempting as it would be. But one thing is for sure, I think Loyola Chicago is going to cover minus six and a half. So that's going to be what I'm going to do, and I'm going to stay away from that over under. Preach, Kyle, preach. Oregon State is going to run out of luck. I've been bashing the Pac-12 all season, but I'm not going to – I just – they're one of the weaker teams, and I just – they're going to hit – they're going to hit their end of the road. Loyola's fundamental. They're well coached. You said it perfectly. That over-under, you bet the over, and the game ends at 123, and you lose. <laughs> and it, you can't bet the under because you'd be insane. So stay away from that. But Loyola minus six and a half. I think they're going to clean them up. They're so fundamental, so senior led, and yeah, I I, th- I really like that bet. I I'm going to have that on my card on Saturday. 
My turn? Yes, sir. I hate this because we all agree. <laughs> we all I, I oh, love Loyola. No. I I love Loyola here. Like I mentioned, Missouri Valley guy through and through. Loyola, they're I mean, Kyle, you mentioned it earlier about their defense. According to Ken Palm, they have the number one adjusted defense in the nation. They just shut you down. It doesn't matter what you can do. They'll just stop you. And Crutwig, I mean, he's going to be playing YMCA ball with that creepy mustache in a couple of years. I mean, <laughs> sweating on you going up and down the court. It's, it's nasty. But Porter Moser, one hell of a coach. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if he finds a job after this Cinderella run, you know, strike while the iron's hot type thing. But we're six and a half points. I am Oregon State. I don't stay up late enough to watch Pac-12 basketball. I mean, it's fun as hell listening to Bill Walton talk, whatever mushrooms he's on that night. Um, yeah, I'm going to lay the six and a half with Loyola, I think. I'm probably one of my biggest bets for the weekend. Um, like you said, the over-under 125, I mean, that's asking both teams to score 60 points. But in the game we talked about before this is 160, where both teams are going to score 80 points. I mean, they're playing a different style of basketball completely, and I don't know how to feel about it. Um, could you go get the free throws down the stretch or they run up the clock and goes over under by a point or two. Um, but yeah, Halle Loyola, six and a half. Even though we all take it, it's probably a sucker bet. They're sucking us in. Um, yeah. True. How many units do I put on that? I got to win that title. I'll put five units on that one. Ooh, yes. Okay. Let's I really, go. I, I really like Loyola. I've been I watching like them all year. I've been watching them all year. Like I said, they're just... Drake got him at one time. I think that was kind of a fluky deal up there at Drake. That's when their best player got injured. But, yeah. Cameron Crutwig going yep. to the Elite Eight. I think Loyola does the same thing to Illinois, that, or they do to Oregon State with the Illinois. I think they're up 10 quick, and they just keep that lead the entire game. Mm-hmm. You start to inch back in it, they hit a three. They get a bucket. Like, they do yeah. something. And scoring on them, you have to earn every – Loyola's not going to yep. give you a basket. you no, got to earn it. Oh, yeah. Big on they're, Loyola. They remind me a lot of that um, Northern Iowa team a couple of years ago. Seth Tuttle, big guy down low. Yep. I mean, back then, they were number one in the nation on defense. And then, is that the year that Texas A&M happened? Is that, yeah. Is that, yeah. That's the year I blacked out to forget. Yeah, that was the worst bad beat in the history of bad beats. But that's another topic for another day. That was the beginning of me hating Coach Jacobson. But, yes, <laughs> we're done with it. Kyle, next game. We got to move on before DJ gets on a rant here. <laughs> Cut me off. Uh, let's transition to the NBA now. So we got a really good game playing tonight at 6.30 on ESPN. We got the Celtics against the Bucks. This is only the second matchup of the season, but the first matchup, Boston won 122 to 121. Now the line hasn't been posted, and I'll explain why in a second, but the previous game line was Bucks minus four and a half and an over under at 223. And the reason the line probably hasn't been posted is first of all, the Celtics, you got Tristan Thompson who was out Monday quarantining and then Tatum didn't play Monday either. So those two guys being out is huge. And then Giannis was doubtful for their game Monday. I don't believe he played. Nope. So, mm-hmm. so that is why that game is, uh, the way it is, obviously, like I said, we don't have a line for that reason. But, DJ, why don't you talk a little bit about uh, trends for the season this year for these two teams? First off, why the NBA is awful to bet. 
The Bucks won on Monday without Giannis, one forty to one thirteen against a decent Pacers squad. Yeah, it doesn't it doesn't make any sense. It doesn't. But anyway, the Celtics have been trash all year. Tatum was out two weeks to quarantine. Smart got hurt. I mean, they've just been dealing with injuries. They don't have a post. They don't have a true center. Tristan Thompson and Tice aren't holding it down. So they've been awful. I hope they get it together, but who knows? Uh, they're 19 and 24 against the spread. They're an awful 7 and 16 on the road, and they're 1 and 4 in their last five. The Bucks pretty good at home. Uh, they're 13 and nine at home, 20 and 22 against against spread on the year, two and three in their last five. And then for over unders, the Celtics are 23 and 20 hitting the over on the road or hitting the over on the season, 13 and 10 on the road and two and three in the last five. The Bucks 24 and 17 at hitting the over 13 and nine at home and four and one in their last five. Uh, if they do play, we have two elite players. Kyle, who are they? If they, if you don't know, you're missing out. But Kyle, take it away. If, if you don't know, you don't pay attention to the NBA. Period. But and these two guys, I, I hope these two guys play because if these two guys don't play, it's going to be not as fun to watch. But obviously for the Celtics, you got me and DJ's favorite player, Jason Tatum, averaging uh, 24, almost 25 points per game, nearly seven rebounds and four assists. And for the Bucks, you have Giannis, and what a season! Giannis is having so far 29 points 11.7 rebounds 6.4 assists this game first of all with no line is already hard enough to handicap but the fact that you might not have Giannis playing you might not have Tatum playing it really makes me question who would win this game so if if Giannis doesn't play I think Celtics is is the move especially if Giannis doesn't play and Tatum does but, and then as far as an over-under, I mean, it's probably going to be close to 220. And if it is, I would assume that it'd be under that. But if it's like, I, I don't think I've seen an under lower than that, to be honest. Or like an over-under line lower than that. So I guess my move is to stay away from the over-under until you know what the status of Tatum and Giannis are. And then... I think that the Celtics will will win. This game is the just definition of why betting NBA is so frustrating. You literally don't know who is going to play until the last second. And it's so frustrating. Like you said, the over-under for the last game was 223. I feel like it'll be higher, but I'm, I'm just spitballing here. I, I want to stay away from that. I'm going Celtics because I don't think Giannis is playing. He was doubtful for Monday's game, didn't play. He didn't get that much better in two days. Uh, I don't know why. I didn't see Tatum in the injury report before, so I think it might have been rest, hopefully, or I don't know why he didn't play. So hopefully Tatum plays. I'm thinking he's going to play. So I'm going Celts here. Uh, I'm not messing with the over-under. But, yeah, it's just the NBA, man. It's – it's why people drink. If you, if you want, to, if you want the short answer, yeah, uh, it's crazy and it's frustrating, and a lot of people hate it. But they're so talented. But I, yeah, I'm I'm going Celtics here. And correction, I love Tatum, but Marcus Smart is my favorite player. Kyle, Marcus Smart, 
no one knows about Marcus Smart, and it's incredibly disrespectful. He's never come anywhere close to winning a defensive player of the year, which is just ridiculous. They just hand it to post every Gosh. year. Gobert just gets – he just gets it. I got, I got it. Did you figure it out, buddy? Yeah, my computer's dying. I got oh, it. no. There we go. I got it. I plugged it in. Woo! You figured it out, guys. Anyway, <laughs> anyway um, I love Marcus Smart. I think he's so underrated. I He's just so good. I see a little bit of Marcus Smart in myself when I play. I will, ah. clamp, I will clamp up ah. anybody from a point guard to a center. And I actually shoot the three a little better than Marcus Smart. Uh, I hit the game-winning three in my rec ball league on Sunday. So, yeah. Aren't there I'm rumors pretty... they're going to trade him, though? If they trade Marcus Smart, everybody and everything heard is dead, dead to me. I heard the rumors on Twitter. Nope. We're, gonna, we're ignoring them. It's fake news, fake news, <laughs> fake news. Marcus Smart is staying forever. Anyway, um, take it over, Eric, before I go off on a tangent about how much <laughs> I love Marcus Smart. And you're heated between the – Northern Iowa talk, bringing back bad memories, and this Celtics. Oh, man. It's, um, it's too easy to get me going. I'm like Kramer on the side. Let's just get going. <laughs> oh, boy. Like you guys said, I really have no idea. Like you said, they bring them injury reports out last minute. Um, my college roommate lives up in Milwaukee. He goes to a handful of Celtics games. They're not Celtics. Bucks games a year. He was, activate, he was at that game two nights ago they played. Monday night they played. He's at that game. Um, so he's my Bucks insider. I'm texting him right now trying to get the inside scoop. He said Giannis did practice today. Okay. So that's as far as I know right now. Um, uh, Celtics suck. I'm just going to put it out there. They should be better than they are. What are they, 21 and 22? Yep. One in four. One in four in their last five with the loss to the Kings and the Cavs. I mean, what are we doing? That's what, what They're doing bad. Here? Are they playing a full regular season, 82? Yes. So they're, like, right at the halfway point? Mm-hmm. Well, they better figure something out because they're going to bounce early. Um, for this game, though, like you said, I don't know what the line's going to be, but – or the over-under. I'm not a big NBA guy. I dabble in it here and there. One easy bet is Pelicans overs. It's hitting, like, 90%. <laughs> yes. It, I mean, it hit, they did, what, 19 games in a row they went over? Yeah. Weeks ago. Yeah, so that's about the cash cow for me for NBA. Um, I think I'm just going to – just for my friend, Joel Geyer, shout-out. that lives in Milwaukee. Congrats on your new boy. He just had a kid last week. Hey. So I'm going to use that that little baby mojo. I'll probably just lay the points of the Bucks. Whatever the – whatever three, four, whatever the line's going to be. Yeah, it's and this – small. Yeah, it'll be small, and this is definitely one that is subject – to change for Eric's mm-hmm. picks as this line. I mean, to just guess this ahead of time is insane. Even if you get right. the actual line, it's going to mm-hmm. be hard. So, yeah, definitely one to change. But I like the move. I mean, the Celtics are so bad at covering. They're so bad. It hurts. It hurts. <laughs> uh, anyway, before I go on a Celtics rant, let's let's move to the NHL. How many units uh, are you doing? Oh, yeah. I'll just, I'll just TBD, do one unit. One I'll unit. Just, TBD, smart. I'll just put one unit for now. Yep. Good if call, Giannis Kyle. Is, if Giannis is playing, I'll probably up that. Or if he's oh, not for playing, sure. I might, might switch it to the Celtics. Who knows? There you go. So, who knows? You'll have to tweet it, Eric, if you want his actual pick there. <laughs> anyway, so the Kings, 
at 13, 12, and 6. They're fifth in the West Division with 32 points, are playing at the Sharks, who are 12, 14, 4. Uh, they're seventh in the West. And I know what you're asking. Why in the hell are we giving him this game? It's terrible. Well, there's no hockey games on, really. And this game is technically a pick em. They're Both teams are at minus 110 right now. And so we like to give our hockey guys kind of more of a pick em, gives them you know, better odds instead of just taking the massive favorite. Uh, if there's a better game, we put it on, but we don't have one. Uh, this game is going to start at 9.30 uh, p.m. Central Time um, on – What day? To Wednesday, tomorrow. Wednesday, okay. Today, I guess. As Tomorrow when oh, we're yeah. recording, today when we release. <laughs> it's coming. It's coming in the future. Yeah, it's <laughs> in the future. Reach. Anyway, uh, so, yeah, NBCSN is what the game will be on. It's the fourth matchup of the season. The Sharks won Monday's game 2-1, to one, and they lead the series 2-1. to one. The over-under is 2-1. to one. Like I said, San Jose is minus 110. The Kings are minus 110. And the over-under set at five. Uh, Kyle, some trends. And, yeah, what do you got for us? Yeah, so as you said, DJ, the Kings are 13, 12, and 6 on the season. They're 7, 8, and 2 on the road. And they're 2 and 3 in their last five. And the Sharks are 12, 14, and 4 on the season. 4, 6, and 2 at home. And 1 and 4 in their last five. So not very good good teams like you said but over under wise uh, about 500 kings are 16 15 over under nine eight on the road one and four in their last five the sharks are 15 and 14 over under on the season five and seven at home and two and three in their last five but so they're about as even as you can get dj what do we got for uh for players on both sides here so for the kings anze kopitar has been in a Kings jersey since I can remember. Kopitar has just been a cornerstone for the Kings. He's got eight goals this year, and he leads the team with 29 assists. That's just a crazy amount. 29 assists uh, and 37 total points, which leads the team. And then their leading goal scorer is Dustin Brown, solid, solid player uh, with 14 goals. He has six assists and 20 total points. And then the Sharks have Evander Kane, who's just been a beast for a while now for the Sharks. He's got 12 goals, 14 assists, which leads the team or ties for most on the team. And then he leads the team with 26 points. Uh, and then Logan Courtier, I don't know, I always pronounce his name wrong, leads the team with 13 goals, nine assists, 22 points. Uh, so I'll just start it off. I bet on the Kings on Monday and they lost. And I think this is such an even matchup of two just bottom of the league teams. Uh, so I'm riding with the Kings again. I just don't think they lose two in a row, especially to a, just such an even team. I think the series gets tied up two to two. As for over under, I don't really want to mess with it, but this, it is two to one. And I think it goes to two to two for the over under. I, these teams just don't score much. They play solid defense. They play slow. Uh, yeah, they the Kings actually their theory is to put up a ton of shots and just hope something goes in, which generally is your sign that they're not very good. Um, but <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, maybe the Kings get it together. They have a lot of veteran leadership. San Jose is the same way. Uh, but I just I think since the Sharks won on Monday, I think the Kings have to win two even teams in a, this series type play are generally going to split. So I am all in on the Kings, and you will catch them on my card today. 
you you nailed on the head, DJ. Before we the show started, and we were kind of doing our stats and stuff like that. I saw that Kopitar having twenty nine assists on the year. I'm like that. That's crazy. That's 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 unbelievable. And like like you said, DJ, these are two bad hockey teams, and just I I want to go. I don't bet unders. But if I would bet an under, it'd be here. But since I don't do that, I'm with you, DJ. I really like the Kings in this matchup. So I'm going to take Kings. Smart move. And the five and a half is such a hard – I hate betting five and a half unders. <laughs> it's just uh, – it's so frustrating. So that's why I'm more in line to take the Kings minus 110. And, yeah, uh, five and a half overs just – I, those are they're perfect for overs. If I want to bet the over, I love five and a half because three to three, boom, gets it done. Mm-hmm. But man, five every and a half, time. yeah, every time three and a three gets it done. But five and a half <laughs> unders, I'm just scared the entire game and I hate it. Uh, so I'm going Kings big time, as you said, Eric. Wrap it up for us. Last game, what do you got? Like we mentioned earlier, I'm not a big hockey guy, I'm slowly getting into it. I text DJ a lot about it pick his mind on certain games. I know he has certain teams he likes to pick on. Like he, the Hurricanes texted me that last night, two nights ago to take them. Monday night, handy. baby. Monday night, they won yeah. pretty handily. Eric yeah. asked me for a lock, and I gave I was him down the Hurricanes, bad. baby. I was, I was down bad after the <laughs> Iowa game. I needed to win. And thankfully, he texted me. They um, won 3-0, baby. Let's go. Fortunately, I don't know much about these two teams. Uh, LA Kings, I know, was it? Like 2012, they won the Stanley Cup as an eight seed. I remember that. That's Quick. about my Jonathan extent. Quick. Yep, I remember that name. That's about my extent of knowledge on the LA Kings. San Jose Sharks were in the playoffs last year, a couple of years ago. I like their jerseys or uniforms or sweaters, as they call it. Don't offend <laughs> the don't offend the Canadians. Um, yeah, I don't know much about these two teams. I'm just gonna fade you two, just in spite of you. So I'll just take the Sharks. Money genius line, yeah. genius I, just, I don't like being on the same side as you for the third game now so i'll take the sharks and that's gonna bite me in the ass <laughs> how many units you thinking no just one I just no one safe then, <laughs> like said, the, over under like if it's tampa or another team like that i'd probably take the over because all they do is score goals like i said these two teams east era west coast i don't stay up late enough to watch them I mean, they puck drop at 9, 9.30. Uh, yeah, that's all I got for you on that one. Yeah, so just quick rundown. We have Calgary versus Ottawa today. Garbage. Anaheim versus the Wild. The Wild, they're huge favorites. And Calgary's a huge favorite in the first game. Buffalo, who's lost 14 in a row versus Pittsburgh. I was going to mention that. <laughs> so suck. I, Yeah, another huge favorite in Pittsburgh. Winnipeg versus Vancouver, which I, that would probably be an ideal one, but still, yeah, I, there's just not much today. And usually Wednesdays are a great day. They have the Wednesday night rivalry or the yep. Wednesday. Yep, it's the Wednesday night NBCSN games. So we went with the second game of that because we thought it'd be more competitive, competitive, more close to a pick'em. But yeah, I apologize for hockey giving us no games. We got screwed. Sometimes you got to play the cards that are dealt to you. That's true, especially when playing blackjack. (laughs) All right. Um, Yeah, so as we wrap up, Eric's clearly got a farm to manage as he feeds the world (laughs) with Looch Farms. 
That's why his phone is blowing up. Uh, but any promotions or shout outs you want to give to specific people, maybe your Twitter account, maybe anything. Um, no, just thanks for having me on. Uh, it's a big pleasure of mine. Uh, I'd love to do it again sometime. Well-spoken, a great representation of Luch Farms just encompasses what I try to keep it clean for Tom. (laughs) He does does not like the swearing. He has vocalized (laughs) before. Um, But, yeah, no, it was great having you on. And, yeah, yeah, great talking to you. And keep running the farm. I know they make you do a lot of the work that you probably don't want to always do. Uh, I've been there. I've, I've helped out sometimes. Um, but yeah, keep doing what you're doing and keep feeding the awesome. world. Thank you. Uh, Kyle, wrap it up. What promotions do we have for the podcast? Yeah. So once again, shout out, Eric, thanks for coming on the show and be sure to keep interacting with all our, our tweets and cards. I know me and DJ really, really appreciate that. Yes. So, yes. Shout out to Eric. He's always busting my balls. If I tweet all favorites, he's busting my balls. If I win, if I lose, whatever. Eric is our number one interactor with Gambling Feud. So well, if I bust your balls, did you see what your Flyers did just now? Did they lose? Did they win? Oh, yeah. Oh, they lost. Ah, I saw well, that. Hey, I saw Chicago was winning. That's all I really cared about. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so to, to oh wrap our show again, uh, shout out to Eric for coming on and for interacting with all our tweets. As always, you can look at our daily lock articles on codasportscappers.com. Me and DJ haven't been doing very good with that, but we're hoping to get back on it here soon. Uh, follow our Twitter at Feud Gambling. And then our next podcast will be next Wednesday. If you're looking for another podcast within the network to listen to, be sure to give the uh, Mount Lockmore podcast with our boys, Brandon and Pace. That's available on Apple Music and Spotify. Also follow the cappers, other cappers on Twitter at CodacapperPace at brus35 at pumba cakes at campbell d josh and then our specific twitters as always i am at comb dog and dj i am at dj l o 4422 so tune in tune in next week for another great guest another great episode of gambling feud so long <laughs>